0: Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, we will read a few verses together along and then we will stop and make um, some comments. Before we start reading, if you'll glance back to the beginning of Luke chapter 1, you'll get to see what Luke's purpose is. I don't know about you, but I particularly smile when biblical writers express their purpose in no uncertain terms. Luke does this, beginning in verse 1 of Luke 1. Notice his explanation. He says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, and they have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, Luke says, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have, and here's his purpose, that you may have the certainty, that you may have certainty, concerning the things that you have been taught. And I want that too, don't you? Don't you want the full assurance, certainty that God can provide for us as we read His Word together? And so part of Luke's account is Luke chapter 2, giving us the birth of Jesus. Let's start in Luke 2. First, a few verses. As always, during our Wednesday night studies and readings, you are most welcome to help the class along and comments and so forth. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went out to be registered, each to his own town, and Joseph also went. He went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth. But here, in the first few verses, we have a little history. A little history. This, this is the ideal of Luke here in the first few verses. This is not. These are not events that happened um, in someone's imagination. These are real events. This is, can be timed. This Caesar Augustus here, uh, he reigned in the Roman Empire uh, from 31, about 31 B.C. all the way over to A.D. Uh, 14. And that can be found in many other sources other than the Bible. And so here we have Luke setting the stage for us, giving us a little uh, history. He has sent out a taxation decree that all in the Roman Empire would need to make their way, if they're not already there, uh, to their original clan and be enrolled. So this is the first one under uh, his reign. But more than that, this is God. This is God. We know the passage from from Galatians chapter 4, 4 through 6. It says, in the fullness of time, what? What does that say? In the fullness of time, what? Galatians 4, verse 4. In the fullness of time, what did God do? That's right. In the the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that He might redeem those who were under the law. He might bring forth the spirit of adoption. So here we go. The long-awaited promises of God concerning His Son are beginning now to develop. This is John 1.14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is it. This is it. God has been planning for this for quite some time. Way back in the eternal regions of the tremendous incomprehensible mind of God, He's been planning this. This is the Creator becoming part of the creation. This is a momentous spot in history. This is a light coming into darkness for very sure. This is a voice coming forth in the midst of silence. Particularly now, there has been 400 years between the Old Testament, Malachi ends with the promise of John the Baptist, and then you open up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you find these events, John, John's birth, John's work, and then right on into the birth of Jesus. Jesus now comes, gives a voice to the To the years of silence, God has been planning. This is definitely light coming into the darkness. This is huge. This is huge. This is beyond description, huge. And this is is world changing. And How thankful we are to be able to read about this. So, first few verses here in Luke 2 uh, speak of a little history. Now let's read verse 4 and 5 together and notice a per, some personal details about um, Mary and Joseph. How is it that Jesus is going to happen to be born in Bethlehem? Okay. So here are some personal details from verses 4 and 5 of Luke chapter 2. And Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth, okay? So geographically, here are some details. You can find this on your Bible maps, okay? And it's about 70 miles or so between Galilee, Nazareth, and uh, Bethlehem, okay? They go up, okay? So you ascend up when you go from Galilee to the Jerusalem, Bethlehem Bethlehem's about five miles south of Jerusalem, so when you head to that area, you're going upward. Upward, Nazareth, Nazareth. If you refer back to Luke uh, chapter one and twenty-six, you see that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, and there he makes his announcements to the Virgin Mary. Concerning the birth of Jesus. And so, they are preparing and they are going up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Now, because we read our Bibles, that really stands out to us. Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Why is it called the city of... Of David, and why is Bethlehem so huge in biblical literature? Well, you can go all the way back to the book of Ruth, right? Chapter 1, the book of Ruth. You've got uh, Naomi. She was married to who first? She was married to Elimelech. And there is Elimelech and Naomi in Bethlehem. This is our city, Bethlehem. For some reason, they leave and they go to Moab, and they're there. And Naomi loses all three her husband and her two sons left were her two daughters in laws, uh, Ruth and Orpah. And Orpah goes back to her people, but Ruth clings to her. And so Ruth and Naomi make their way back to. Bethlehem. And Ruth goes out into these fields, the barley fields, and there meets Boaz. And eventually, through that union, through that marriage, comes Jesse, Obed, Jesse, and then David. Over in 1 Samuel 16, you recall that God... Well, first of all, God was rejected by the people, and they wanted a human king like all the other nations. And so Saul, King Saul was selected, but God rejected him. So there in 1 Samuel 16, beginning in verse 1, God sends Samuel to Bethlehem, to Jesse. And all the sons of Jesse are there, except for who? But they don't even bother bringing David along. They didn't even think David was needed in this meeting of the prophet. So don't you have another one, Samuel says. Yeah, he's out there keeping the sheep. Go get him. Go get him. So there we are in Bethlehem uh, once again. And you can trace several interesting uh, events in Bethlehem uh, throughout Scripture. So here we are. Going to Bethlehem, the city of David, uh, in order to be enrolled, but also, of course, the birth of Jesus. So here we are, Luke chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 uh, together. It says here, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with Child. Now, this has already been explained by Luke, if you go back to Luke chapter 1, and Gabriel's ex- explanation to Mary, Luke 1, verse 35, after Mary has said, look, I'm a virgin, how is this going to happen? Luke one thirty-five. the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Incredibly, Mary responds and says, I'm your handmaid, let it be according to your word. And so she is now with that child. And the angel had also, also, from Matthew chapter 1's account, has also told Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't break the betrothal. Okay. Betrothal, of course, was a legally binding pledge to marry the one you're betrothed uh, to. Don't you dare break that, break that off because that which was in her has been conceived of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So here we are. Mary is going to go with him. She's not required to go, but she's going anyway. Okay. I've always sort of believed that Mary, being of the godly nature that she she was and is, she knew the prophecies. And she knew of the specialness of the one that she's carrying. And she knew that she must deliver this child in Bethlehem. She could stop and ponder and look around and see this decree coming, this taxation requirement coming and she's just she's just assuring herself I've got to go with him well what prophecy is that Micah chapter 5 Micah chapter 5 you recall this beginning in verse um, 2 Micah 5 verse 2 but you O Bethlehem you O Bethlehem who are too little to be among the clans of Judah from you shall come forth For me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origins is from old and from ancient uh, days. I believe that she knew these prophecies about Bethlehem, and that she insisted that she must go, and Joseph most likely knew about them as well. And so a few personal details here about Mary and Joseph, where they're from, how you can find these places on the map how it is she came to be uh, with child, the importance of Bethlehem uh, as the city that would be chosen. And so having seen just a little history and then a few personal details, notice verses 6 and 7. This is the birth itself. Just two verses. Here's the birth. let's quickly read about it. Verse 6, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, for her to deliver. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them uh, in the inn. Now, notice how few details there are here. I kind of like that. I'm not a medical doctor. If somebody's going to report a birth to me, okay, just tell me that everything's okay. okay? Uh, The details you can leave out, and that's why the gospel writers do it here. Not 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 many details at all. Now, all of you, ladies, know that there is a lot that goes into giving the birth, giving birth to a child. There are many details. And there are concerns, and it's not just a simple process. But notice just how plainly the birth is recorded here. Notice that there's very little fanfare here. There's very little celebration. If you compare this to when John the Baptist was born, and you can probably look on the other page in your Bible. If you look at Luke 1, 57 and 58, concerning when John was born, Luke 1, 57... Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had showed great mercy to her, and they all rejoiced with her. Now John's birth was no grand celebration either, but at least they had friends and relatives close by. But Mary and Joseph, Jesus didn't have that. They were away from their home. They gave birth uh, in a manger. Which is very fitting with the whole scheme of God. This is not an accident. This is exactly the way God wanted his son to come into the world. He wanted it all to be very lowly. Very lowly. Okay? So So verses 6 and 7 give us uh, the birth. Notice it says in verse 7, she gave birth to her firstborn. What does that tell you about Mary? it says her firstborn she had other children that's right and for a record of that if anybody ever wants to know Matthew 12 is one reference toward the end of the chapter Matthew 12:46 when Jesus was speaking in a house behold his mother and his brothers his brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him Matthew 1246 Matthew thirteen fifty three, and when Jesus had finished these parables he went away from there and came to his hometown and he taught them in the synagogue so that they were astonished and here's what they said they said where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works is not this the carpenter's son is not his mother called Mary are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas are not all his sisters here with us Jesus had both brothers and sisters. So, but here, this is Mary's uh, firstborn; it's her firstborn uh, son. I want us to carefully notice. We've already seen in Luke one one through four. Luke is a very careful historian. He says, "He says I think it's needful for me now. Some time has passed. I have." been following closely these things. I have access to all these eyewitnesses. I'm myself I'm going to write an account of all these things in Jesus' life. Okay. But on top of being a historian, Luke was also a medical doctor. Colossians four fourteen speaks of Luke being the beloved physician. The beloved physician, Colossians four, I think it's verse fourteen. Okay. So this Birth, virgin birth, is not something fanciful. This is something that can be checked. These these eyewitnesses that are telling us about the birth these these are these are hardworking men. These are legitimate men. Okay. These um, these are not men on the edge of society. People knew them. People came to Luke for. Uh, with their sicknesses. Luke was well known. So well known, he was a beloved physician. There are some doctors you're not going to like, but there are some you're going to like. Luke was one that was well respected. As a medical doctor, as a scientist, if you will, it would take the most compelling evidence for Luke to bring forth this account and state it as fact and truth. If there was anything questionable about these proceedings, then Luke would not have followed it out. So not only does he have the background of a medical doctor and had given birth to children himself, and he knows how all that's supposed to take place, but on top of that, he's a very careful researcher. And that's why he says, I want to write this and give you the certainty the assurance that you need as you live for the Lord. All right? So the next part of Luke 2 here gets into the shepherds who are in the field doing what shepherds uh, do. So we'll read here from Luke 2, verses 8 through 14. Luke 2, 8 to 14. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom, with whom he is well pleased. Okay. So first notice that God chooses shepherds. He chooses shepherds. Again, it's a focus and it fits what the Lord wanted uh, to see happen. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly in heart, Matthew 11:28. 28. That particular statement runs backwards and forwards. It describes Jesus from the earliest times all the way to the very death on the cross and onward. And, and it describes how he wants us to be as well. And so, notice how that God chooses the shepherds. Shepherds were not as near as well respected as a, as a doctor okay. they were not held in high esteem people did not rear their children to become shepherds by and large but it was a very important work it was a hard work it was long hours and God revealed this incredible occasion uh, to these shepherds notice that the shepherds are keeping their flock by night. In Bethlehem, not too far from Jerusalem, most likely there's a connection here because if you're going to have all of these animal sacrifices that take place in Jerusalem uh, throughout certain times of the year, then, of course, you're going to need uh, fields not too far away that will have uh, these sheep uh, ready to go. Shepherds abiding in the field. Notice that an announcement is made to these shepherds by uh, an angel, one angel uh, at first. What is the reaction of the shepherds to this angel? Yeah. ESV here says they were filled with fear. (laughs) Filled with fear. And it's almost... Across the board, when you look at different appearances of angels to human beings in Scripture, the first reaction is always fearful. Fearful. I don't think you're going to see an angel, but if you do, you're probably going to be really scared at first. They're full of fear. Now, in the original language, um, it's the word "mega." They had mega fear. But if you notice, in the next verse, verse uh, 10, I bring you good tidings of great joy. So it's mega joy. So it's mega fear, great fear. But that is countered with mega joy. In fact, I think what God does here, He sets in motion the very things that these shepherds need to get rid of their fear. And it's all spiritually based. And it still is today. It still is today. Getting rid of fear is not a physical um, activity. But rather it is is of the heart. It's a spiritual matter. So follow out the words here, and notice how that the shepherd's fear is going to be countered, and, and I believe it's going, they're going to receive the information they need to displace this fear. Notice, first of all, of course, verse 10, the good news, from which we get our word gospel, the good news of Jesus, which brings great joy, uh, should uh, dispel this fear. The overriding idea uh, that salvation is coming through Jesus. The long-awaited one should alleviate their fear. But then notice the next verse. There is a description of Jesus that ought to get rid of the fear. Born to you this day a Savior. Notice the three descriptions here. Jesus is a Savior. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Lord. When it says Christ, it means he's the promised one of the Old Testament. When it says Savior, of course, he is the one that can deliver from our sins. And Lord, he is the one who is the king. He is now our master. He's the one that can direct our lives. So, verse 10 helps us with fear. Verse 11 helps us with fear. And the third idea was found in verse 12. The sign that is given. The sign that is given. You shall find a baby. But... A baby in a manger, in a manger. This is the sign. This is the sign. This is the place. Usually we're looking for the most tender, most uh, soft spots to lay a newborn baby. Great expense is taken. Uh, Congregations will provide uh, baby showers to help with the entrance of the baby into the world uh, all across this world even before the time of Jesus a great uh, efforts were made to make sure that the new one uh, would be comfortable and so it would be a sign it would be an unusual unique situation to find a baby laying uh, in a manger and they were to go and look uh, for this little one okay, a sign, a sign points you where you ought to be, and it points to someone's identity in this case. This will be Jesus, the one in the manger. The word sign is, is used a lot. Like when Jesus turned water to wine, recorded for us in John 2, after that, John records, this is um, John two eleven. He said, um, this is one of Jesus' first signs that he did there in Cana of Galilee and when john closes his book we read from this last week uh, many other signs truly did jesus but these are written that you might believe so these signs that were done by jesus and these signs that were brought to bring jesus into the world point us continuously to the identity of jesus you see how luke is bringing out the certainty the certainty. this will be this is your son. God never meant, where did it ever start, that people would search for the Savior from their own gut or from their own intuition or from how they feel about life. God never meant for us to leave our brains at home. It was always going to be a presentation that could be checked, that could be seen and looked at. We have our scriptures, but even in those days, they had things that, were, that could be verified. And that's what Luke is doing uh, for us here. Faith is not, someone said, faith is not a leap in the dark, it's a step into the light. That's so very true. That's what faith is, is seeing the light of God's word. God is directing these matters here. And when these shepherds go and find this babe, then... It is as they were told. it's a wonderful account. And so you have verse ten talking about Jesus and the good news. You got verse eleven talking about Jesus as Lord and Savior in Christ. And then you got the next verse, verse twelve, talking about there's going to be this sign. This is all to alleviate their fear. And then finally to alleviate their fear, verses thirteen to fourteen, a whole host of these angels show up suddenly with a great chorus. And they give this proclamation found here in verses 13 and 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those who with whom he's well pleased. And so three things are taught here, but just think about the occasion here and think about how the impression this would make upon the shepherd. But notice the three things taught here. First of all, God is to be glorified for the gift of His Son. Glory to God in the highest. Secondly, when Jesus came, and as a result of Jesus, then people can find peace. True peace. And then thirdly, notice that this peace is always conditional. Peace comes to those with whom God is well pleased. With whom God is pleased. So, one can find that peace as long as he's seeking to please the Lord. Peace is two things. It's, it's being in harmony with what God wants, but it's also continuing after him and, and, and finding that inner, inner peace, that inner calmness, tranquility that is ours as we continue to, to follow our Lord. And so notice these four things, verse 10, verse 11, verse 12, verse 13 to 14. Now the shepherds are ready. They are not ready to go yet. But now they're ready because their fear has been taken away. What took away their fear? Information. Information. Information from God. The same thing takes away fear today. The more our heads are in the Word of God, the less fear one has. It's just that uh, simple. But now they're ready to go. All right. Notice in verses uh, 15 and 16. So in beginning in verse 8, we're introduced to the shepherds. And then we're introduced to the shepherds' fear. And then we're introduced how the shepherds learn. Now let's watch the shepherds go. They're going to go verses 15 and 16, Luke 2. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let us go over to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, that the Lord has made known to us. Some versions have. Let's go see this thing that has come to pass. Whatever your Bible has, underscore that, because this is, again, this is Galatians 4, verse 4. This is God sending forth His Son into the world. This thing that has happened. This thing that has happened. Shepherds said, let's go see this thing that has happened. And they're ready to go now. Their fear is gone. And they go with haste. This is why they leave. They, they they don't leave to go see a baby born. That happens all the time. Okay. That happens all the time. I'll share with you my fatherly advice to Kayla. A few weeks ago before Sophia was born. Kayla getting so huge. So I thought it's time for me now to bring forth my wisdom. I said, Kayla, women have been having babies for a long time. You might as well get tough and have this baby. There it is. There it is. Isn't that good? I mean, the girls in our family have never, um, in fact, they've made fun of my um, lack of compassion sometimes. But, that's what us men do. We get right down to the fact, okay, you moved out there you you got married, you' now are in this situation you've got to be strong that 's what I said to her. I said, women have been having babies all this all these many years. okay you too have got to be strong and have this baby, but the shepherds are not going to Bethlehem to see a baby born. They are going because the angels said that this is the Christ this is the Lord this is the Savior this is the one we've been looking for sir, so there they go with haste what a marvelous gift this is for the shepherds would you say that they have been graced by God by receiving this vision by having this appearance of the angels but it's always grace by faith, isn't it? Would the shepherds have seen the baby if they had just stayed in the fields? If they had just said to themselves, that was incredible, wasn't it? That was interesting. Have, we ever, have y'all ever seen any light like that come down from heaven? No, now it's time to go. Now it's time to put your faith in action. God graced them, no doubt about it. What a wonderful blessing that was. But now they're going to go and see. Notice verses 15 and 16. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see that thing that has happened. And they went with haste. It was urgent to them. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. It's interesting to me that these were shepherds. Later, this one that they're looking at he will say to the world, I am the good shepherd. And what does the good shepherd do? He lays down his life for the sheep. Don't let anybody ever tell you that there's no connection between the birth and death of Jesus. There most certainly is. It's not an accident that God chose shepherds to reveal all this to you. Because eventually, Jesus would play, serve in both roles as the shepherd and as the lamb without spot and without blemish. There is tremendous undertow of meaning underneath all this that we're reading. We're saved by the death of Jesus, but we're also saved by the life of Jesus. Romans 5, verse 10. Romans 5, 10 says, We are reconciled by his death, but we're also saved by his life. Everything there is about the Lord Jesus is totally meaningful to us. And then notice how the shepherds share their news. So the shepherds, they learn, the shepherds, they go. The shepherds now will see and be confirmed in their faith. But then verse 17, the shepherds will share what they know. Verse 17, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered and were astonished what the shepherds told them. Even Mary, Mary treasured these things up. Uh, in her heart, pondering them in her heart. Can you imagine, can you imagine, how many thoughts and questions flood a a mom's mind when the new one comes into the world? Can you imagine all that, that, plus all now that Mary has been studying and observing for all these years, and now all of this, now these shepherds with this, Account of how the angels had appeared unto them. And she ponders these things in her heart. And then the ship. Go ahead. Yes. Meeting, meeting. It's all wrapped up. And now it's come to pass. Yeah. It's all wrapped up in verse 15. All of that, the, both the prophecies and the experience of the shepherds here. Let's go see this. this. This has come to pass. It is, and you're so right. Part of what has come to pass is that this is the Christ who fulfills the prophecies of. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 Isaiah 53, Micah chapter 5 and on and on on and on the shepherds return now to their place in Bethlehem praising God and glorifying God for all they had seen and heard so these readings from Luke 2 sets our mind on A glorious event. And hopefully you can do some more reading and studying on so many different parallels uh, to what we've been studying together tonight. Thank you so much for being in class.